0: Did I say girls? Did you know what other means It's a Nick, Nick November. What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file, according to alphabetical order. You M N O P Q R S. T-U-V-W-X-Y-3's! Pop! Huh? That's all you have to do! Look, Doc, I spent last Tuesday watching Fibers on my carpet. And the whole time I was watching my carpet, I was worrying that I, I might vomit. And the whole time I was thinking, I'm a grown man, I should know what goes on in my head. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I should just blow my brains out and end it all. But then I thought when I well, if I thought more about blowing my brains out, I started worrying about what that was gonna do to my goddamn carpet. Okay, so <laughs> that was a good day, Doc, and, and I just want you to give me some pills and let me get along with my life. Hooray for the sounds of fucking silence. I just saw 50 cars for you in one night. Alright, I'm a little tired, I'm a little wired, and I think I deserve a little appreciation. Pick the fucking
1: card! Oh
0: yeah! You put your right foot in! You take your right foot out! You do the hokey pokey and you fucking work it all out! Mouth to dildo, dildo ass, ass to ass, Hi, branch, anal bees. <clears throat> I'm sorry I was such a saint before and I'm, I'm such a prick now! Put the body back in the
1: box. Hello and welcome back to the Skewered Universe podcast. As you heard, it is Nick Cage November. Where we here at the Skewered Universe celebrate the works of one, Nicholas Coppola, better known as Nicholas Cage. My name is Jeff, your host, you know that. And I'm joined, as always, by Leanne, the comic relief, the brains behind the operation. I'm I'm just a pretty face, ladies and gentlemen. This this is the one who runs the show. <laughs> How you doing, Leanne? Good enough to tell everybody
2: to suck dick.
1: Nice, as always. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we are doing Nick Cage November, finally. You're I've so excited. I, I am really excited. <laughs> I am really excited. This was, this was the month I've been wanting to do for so long, and I'm finally pulling the trigger and doing it. One, because alliteration, Nick Cage, November. I mean, Cage doesn't really work, but... And because it's my birthday month. I know some people are like...
2: Scorpio season.
1: Exactly. Some people are like, November's about Thanksgiving. It's really about me, people. (laughs) This is my month. This is my time. Down here. Okay, let's not do Goody's references anymore. So, it is Sunday, November 14th. And I want to talk real quick, and then I'm going to ask you a few things, but last night, I got to watch AEW Full Gear.
2: And again, you were very excited. I was very
1: excited. (laughs) I have not been this excited to watch a wrestling pay-per-view since I was probably a teenager, maybe in my early 20s. Because I've been let down by WWE so much in the past several years. But AEW has renewed my love for pro wrestling, and last night was an awesome show from the pre-show to the main event. There's two things I want to touch on. The Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk match was fucking insane.
2: Yeah, they they work really well together.
1: They beat the hell out of each other, but they have they have a connection in the ring that is undeniable. Speaking of Scorpio season, <laughs> CM Punk, <laughs> CM Punk, fellow Scorpio. Shout out to CM Punk. <laughs> you won't hear this, but what the hell? Actually, there are three things I want to talk about because we both watched the Darby Allin versus MJF match. Yes. And we both agreed they also have really good in-ring chemistry.
2: Yeah, it was almost like a ballet.
1: It really was. You don't see that too often where two guys just seem to really mesh and be able to flow. Like you see guys who can work well together, you're like, oh, they're they're really doing well. These guys seem like they knew exactly what to do.
2: But they also sell it.
1: Oh, the selling. They're really
2: good at selling it.
1: The selling by Darby, where you were saying he just goes limp Mm -hmm. when he needs to? That that was a good match, but my favorite match. The payoff for a two-year, possibly even longer than that story, of Hangman Page... Going down the road of redemption to finally beating Kenny, the best bout machine Omega, to become the AEW world champion. It was a perfect match. And I'm going to tell you right now, I got a little emotional at the end. There were some tears in my eyes because I've been so invested in this story. I didn't know what was going to happen, and if you haven't watched the match, well, here's a few spoilers. The Young Bucks had come down to ringside. Nick had gone to one side of the ring, Matt was on the other. Paige was going to hit the buckshot lariat, and he just stared at Nick, and Nick stared back at him. Nothing happened. Paige hits a buckshot lariat to the back of Kenny's head, goes to the other side of the ring... And there's Matt Jackson looking up at him. They share an exchange, staring at each other. Matt just nods with this look of, it's your time, go for it. Buckshot Lariat from Hangman, the three-count new champion. And I was watching part of... Uh, you, know, you know the podcast, Talk that I listen to and the videos I watch all the time.
2: Yes, it's a very good one.
1: And Luke made a point, and I didn't even think about it, because Hangman had a promo where he told the Young Bucks, I'm sorry for everything I did, but if you interfere in my match, basically saying, I will ruin your lives and your careers. And he goes, the apology meant something. And that's that's little details that go into storytelling that make it that much better. But my favorite part was the Dark Order comes out to the stage. They're clapping and applauding. They're celebrating. Paige calls them in the ring. Alex Reynolds goes to hand Hangman a beer. Hangman didn't drink the beer. He tossed the beer behind him, and they just had a group hug. They hoisted Paige up on their shoulders and celebrated the win, and I am one happy motherfucking wrestling fan today. Aside from that, really the only other thing I can think of I've been doing is we've been kind of doing a semi-rewatch of Dexter. Sort of, kind of, but not really paying too close an attention. Just kind of on in the background, but I started reading my trade paperback. Uh, the first, I think there's three of them, but I have the first one of Marvel Zombies, and that's actually pretty damn good. That's all I've been up to. Is there anything you've been up to, Liam? Um.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know I ask you this question all the time, and you're Every never time. ready for
2: it. And I'm never prepared. Um, Well, okay, so I have been actually listening to a real podcast, as opposed to (laughs) Dateline or 48 Hours, which is literally just the audio of the show. Right. Turns out I'm not a huge podcast person, but I've been listening to Strange Highways by our dear friend Paul. And I've also been going through the Twilight episodes, too, like on, I think it's... Is it Amazon? No. Um, you I think it is Amazon.
1: Yeah. Well. Cause it was Netflix and now it's on Amazon, I believe.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It makes my night job go by very,
1: very quickly. Podcasts tend to do that. If you find the right ones. And if you're not somebody who listens to, like, you know, 40 like I do. Because <laughs> I'm an insane person. And I have to. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of Paul, I've been listening to his other podcast, Invasion of the Podcast. And because I am that crazy person, like I said, I've gone all the way back to the beginning.
2: Because that's what you do. Because
1: that's what I do. Because I have to listen to the genesis of the show and then try and get caught up. It'll take me a while. I've done it with other podcasts. But I have to parse it out. Like, do so many a day and then move on to other podcasts to keep them current and then go back. It's an ongoing struggle. But I put it on myself. But listening to podcasts at one and a quarter speed is really good for through through
2: I've also been listening to uh, It again.
1: Oh, the audiobook.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I read it as a kid, but then, you know, over the years I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. I started listening to it, and I'm like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I was <laughs> not prepared.
1: <laughs> There's certain things you forget about, and then when you're you start going through the audiobook or even if you were to pick up the book and read it again, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I read that book twice when I was younger. And I remember reading parts of it and getting so lost in the book that I would have to force myself to stop because I wouldn't be paying attention to anything going on around me.
2: Yeah, I've, thought, I've tried to listen to it after work on the way home, but I can't do it because I'm concentrating on driving, so it's like... My brain can't hear it.
1: It's not the same. It's not the same. I tried that too, and I was like, you know what? This ain't doing it. I got to yeah. go. Like podcasts, I can do. <laughs> anyone who listens to podcasts, probably aside from yourself, because you're not a big podcast person, anyone who's like me and this is the podcast probably has a conversation with the podcast in the car when you're listening, knowing they can't even hear you. I've done that. I've actually argued with the podcast when they say something that's incorrect. Okay. <laughs> we had a brief interruption there, but we're back. What was I what was I say? Oh, yeah, I've had arguments in the car with podcasts. And <laughs> yes, I'm a crazy person. So, before we get into what we're going to be covering tonight, is there anything else any any games, any new music you've discovered? No. No? All right. I don't think so. Okay. That's cool. I'll I'll brief you ahead of time next time if there's anything you want to discuss in this opening portion. That way you know ahead of time. No, it's okay. <laughs> it
2: doesn't help that I smoked earlier,
1: so. That's yeah, fine. That's fine. Makes for a good... You forget, I podcasted while drinking whiskey once. We all know how that turned out. It's pretty damn amazing. If I do say so myself. <laughs> Actually, it was probably shitty. I never went back and listened to it, because I don't go back and listen. I edit, I, I post, do. and that's it. <laughs> well, I go back and listen. Because I have a thing. I feel like if I was listening to my own podcast, it would be like I was some egomaniac.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, you can hear like issues with the audio as I the can listener. Tweak. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it's, our episodes, have, I'm like, ooh, I wish the audio were better.
1: Yeah, but I'm, then other
2: episodes, I'm like, okay, that was really good. That was one of I have a few favorite episodes. I can't name them right now, but
1: yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, it's it's quality control. I should do a preliminary listen before I post. But at the same time, I'm like, I just want to get this out. <laughs> And then I'm like, I don't want to be caught listening to my own podcast. Like, everyone knows I have a podcast, and they'll be like, Oh my god, are you listening to yourself? That's so egotistical. You're an asshole. Only the people that listen to this know I have a damn podcast, and those that I've told, friends, not so much family. (laughs) Anyway, I've also posted a new transmissions episode over on the patreon so go over to patreon search for skewer universe podcast you can sign up to support the show and we've got three episodes of transmissions up for you there i'm going to be putting up more over the next couple of weeks and hopefully soon Leanne and i will get to record the commentary for tales from the crypt Quir- demon knight that we've been talking about yes which will be really fun And I have notes on points we can talk about, because I've been doing podcast, homework, and research. Because that's one thing I'm picking up from listening to these podcasts with a critical ear. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you're getting some insight into the backdoor workings. (laughs) Backdoor. (laughs) Of the Skewered Universe podcast. All right. That brings us to what we are doing. So as we said at the top of the show, it is Nick Cage November And we have chosen two movies to cover this month. The first one being Vampire's Kiss. How was your weekend?
0: It's all right, you know. There's nothing worth shattering. He was an ordinary guy. (laughs) Morning, everyone. Morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. I'm Peter Love. Rachel. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. It started with a kiss. Really hot. A very special kiss. You wanted her very badly. Yeah. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Yep, 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 yep. It's affecting his work. There you are! It's a horrible horrible job and you have to do it. It's ruining his appetite. My next appointment with you is uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'd like to make it sooner. It's spoiling his sleep. <sighs> shooter And don't think people haven't noticed. Am I getting through to you? Alpha! He is so eccentric. My, my. For Peter Lowe Oh, sooner. That's just love. Love? Love. In the big city. Yeah! Don't laugh. I'm a professional. I don't laugh. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! <laughs> Nicholas Cage. The tortures of the dove! Maria Conchita Alonso. Shoot. Do it or i fire you. Do you understand? <laughs> Not the floor, Alba. And Jennifer Beals. You are so pathetic. <laughs> Vampire's Kiss. Strange stuff. I'll never do that again. Jeez.
1: Neither of us have seen this movie. Correct. And it has regained some popularity recently because now it is readily available, because for a long time it was only available on, like, VHS. Maybe a limited-run DVD, I'm not 100% certain. And from what I've heard, it is Crazy Nick Cage, which is what we're all about.
2: Well, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and it says that the writer um, wrote the film as he grappled with depression. Oh. And he wrote the screenplay... Um, as a response to his toxic relationship with
1: his then-girlfriend. Oh, wow. That's going to be interesting to see if we can pick up on those notes as we watch the film. Yeah. That'll be interesting. There is one little little piece of trivia, and I'm going to throw it out now, because I think you would find it interesting. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale apparently based his performance of Patrick Bateman on Nicolas Cage's performance in this movie. So I want to look for that, too. So there's a couple of subtle things we can look for to see what we find. This should be interesting. Yeah. I think so. The movie stars Nicolas Cage, Maria Conchita Alonso, and Jennifer Beals. Mm-hmm. And there are some other character actors i found that are in this, like David Hyde Pierce from Frasier and John Michael Higgins. Now, I best know John Michael Higgins... <laughs> From his role in Blade Trinity, as the uh, doctor that was trying to (laughs) diagnose Blade with some medical condition when they had him in custody. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: He's shown up in many other things, but I can't remember. I think he might have been in, like, Best in Show or some of those uh, movies directed by... Holy shit, I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name, but he was the the six-fingered man in The Princess Bride. Ah. So anyway, we're gonna do our regular routine when we watch a movie. We're gonna start it and we're gonna come back interstitially and let you guys know what we think as we go through. So without further ado, we're gonna start the movie and y'all are gonna hear our first thoughts when we come back.
0: Show starts in four minutes to visit our snack bar. And treat yourself to some delicious Castleberry's Pit cooked barbecue sandwiches. Cook the Castleberry way slowly over open pits of glowing charcoal, then seasoned with a sauce that's zesty, yet delightfully mild to please the entire family. Also, at the snack bar, you'll find popcorn and soft drinks, and candy and french fries to go with your Castleberry's barbecue sandwiches. Plenty of time before the movie starts, so visit our snack bar right now for Castleberry's pit-cooked barbecue sandwiches. Still plenty of time to come and be served at the Refreshment Center before showtime.
1: All right, we're back. We are 15 minutes in. So the story so far is Nick Cage is a publishing executive for like Book publisher. He's very much that 80s businessman, but with the Nick Cage twist. (laughs) Because he's approaching this character from a very odd angle, I would say. So we've seen him take a woman back to his apartment. From a bar. From a bar. Like that. You're like,
2: that's how women get murdered, going off with strange guys to bars. That's, I mean, I, I'm way too into crime stories. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how women get murdered. So I was like, oh, great. We're starting off with that. Cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're uh, about to get down to business, we'll say. Uh, you know, it was business time, according to Flight of the Concords. <laughs> and then a bat interrupts them. She freaks out. And he is oddly calm the entire time trying to get the bat out of the apartment. And then they just leave his apartment and go off wherever. And he's recanting this to his therapist, who looks like she's going, this guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> what, was it? what was it? You made a comment. Her, the look remember. on her face that she would take the case for free. He's <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> <laughs> like, I wouldn't even charge this
1: guy. He's a very odd individual.
2: He left it on such a strange note. Like, I'm not happy that I imagined it with a boner. But, you know, it happened. And now we have to try to pretend it didn't happen.
1: Yeah, because he was telling her that he took the woman back. And then he found the bat and he goes, I was aroused fighting the bat. She goes, wait, weren't you aroused with the woman? Oh, the girl. Yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, it went away. And then I was in Mortal Kombat with this bat. And it came back. I'm like... And then he just goes, okay, okay bye. bye. It's like, I'm sorry, what? I <laughs> will say, this movie was from 1989, and it feels every bit 1989 so far.
2: Yes. From the
1: club scene where they showed him meeting the girl that he took back to his apartment, to the style of dress he's in, his suits, everything. Definitely getting Patrick Bateman vibes. Definitely right away. like Just the way he like carries himself and speaks, it's... A, because Bateman had a very peculiar way of speaking to people, as does Peter Lowe, Nick Cage's character. So before we get back to the movie, I have some Nick Cage facts. I'm going to throw one out to you here. A naked home intruder ate a sickle at the foot of his bed. Oh my god! Discussing his home invasion thriller, Trespass, in 2011, Cage shared with reporters that he was once victimized by someone who had broken into his Orange County home I opened my eyes and there was a naked man wearing my leather jacket, eating a fudge sickle in front of my bed. He said, I know it sounds funny, but it was horrifying. Cage said he talked to, talked to the man until the police arrived.
2: That's terrifying.
1: Yeah. First off, the fact that there's a naked dude wearing your jacket, eating a fudge sickle in your house, that's already terrifying. And I know for you, somebody just staring at you while you sleep. Oh, it's like I can't handle it. That's a nightmare. <laughs> that's a nightmare. So where we're at, he's apparently getting ready to go out. Yeah. He's also a dick to the woman, I guess his assistant.
2: Yeah. He's,
1: he's really a dick to her.
2: Well Yes. But I think it's just but his nature. He's also He did tell her something very specific. He did. And she misunderstood, but it's like
1: He immediately went from like zero to a hundred. I already told you! I checked those files. I'm like Oh, it's a better way to handle this, man. Come on, some rapport here, but you know, this guy's already a little off, so. (laughs) So I think at this point, we're going to get back to the movie.
2: Yeah.
1: And we'll get back to you guys in a brief moment. Back once again, we've progressed a little further into our story. So we saw Peter getting ready, he went out to a bar, and immediately the conversation these two people are having that he's sitting next to was, as you pointed out, Leanne, very American psycho. Yes. <laughs> talking about their bank <laughs> accounts and interest and it was just the way they were talking about it. It's so 80. So American Psycho captured that feel perfectly. Absolutely. He ends up walking over, meeting this woman named Rachel. Another woman he picks up at a bar. So apparently this is all this guy wants to do is pick up women at bars, I don't know. They go back to his place, they're getting down to business, and she proceeds to bite him on the neck. But it appears she has vampire fangs. (laughs) I can't tell if this is all in his head yet, or if it's actually happening. Because I can't tell if the guy is completely off his nut or if there's some legitimacy to what's actually happening.
2: I am not want to say he's off his nut.
1: <laughs> because his personality changes. It really does. So we see him meet up with the girl he took back to his apartment, Jackie, where the bat flew in, at a museum. And then he just leaves her, says, I gotta take a piss, just ditches her, and leaves. Goes back to his apartment, she calls him, says, don't ever contact me again, you know, I don't want anything to do with you, and hangs up. He goes back to his therapist, and she says, hey, let's pick up where we left off last week where you're talking about the bat in your apartment.
2: That's because she wants to finish the fucking story. Exactly. Not because she's a good therapist. I
1: knew, she wanted just to get the She wants more. (laughs) And he goes, "Uh, I don't remember. He's acting like he doesn't remember, he's just blowing it off like it's nothing. She's like, what do you mean? You told me, you know, she told him. He goes, oh, yeah, well, I was horny and drunk. So let's chalk it up to that, basically, is what what he said. He goes back to work, proceeds to get a call about the file or the paperwork he's been looking for in this file that his assistant was supposed to find. Gets her to come in, tells her, I haven't got it yet, so I haven't been able to send it to him. You're going to listen to the song and dance I do on the phone to explain why we haven't got it. Meanwhile, the guy that called him wanting this contract is very much like, oh, hey, I'm moving, so no rush on that. I know you guys are really busy, so get it to me whenever you can. He hangs up and tells her, well, as you can see, I didn't have to do a song advance because I couldn't get a word in edgewise. He's really pissed off, and if he doesn't get it within the week, he's going to go to another agency. Basically, flat out lies to her because he's like, you're not doing your job, I need you to do your job. Meanwhile, she's looking, but she's got other tasks on top of what he gave her. It's... (laughs) It's very weird, and he keeps doing this thing. If, I don't know if you noticed when the phone rang, or when he was over the intercom, he was being told he had a call on whatever line with this guy. He did this weird, like, tick with his mouth. Yeah. So.
2: And we're not going to discuss the, uh, the coupled mimes.
1: Oh, I was getting to that.
2: That are pantomiming domestic violence.
1: <laughs> getting to that. He tells the receptionist he's leaving for the day, He's walking down the street to some building, or by some building, and there's just this random couple of mimes out there enacting domestic violence. (laughs) The male mime slaps the female, she spits in his face, and they proceed to do this little dance number thing, whatever. He goes inside, calls the girl that he blew off at the museum, Jackie, says, I want you to meet me, I have a good reason, I was ill, but I want to explain it to you, meet me at nine somewhere. She's like, okay, fine, nine o'clock. Which she should have never gone back on her word to not go out with him again. She should have stuck by her guns. This is another scenario that women get into and they get murdered. Oh, I'm sorry that I did this. You should come meet me. And then he goes, I have a knife and a gun and I'm going to rape and kill you. Much like that video you showed me the other day.
2: Exactly. That was
1: disturbing. (laughs) And now we're at him getting ready to go meet Jackie. He hears a mysterious knock on his door. But he answers it. No one's there. Oh, we missed. (laughs) I missed the part where after the phone call, he went to the little diner and had a freak out, asking to get waited on. Mm -hmm. The guy goes, hey, right right away. It's it's in here for 15 minutes, man. He overhears these two women talking about one of them was on a horse and carriage and got proposed to, and he just stands and goes, fucking grease hole, and walks out. Everybody's like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? And as he's walking out the door, he grabs his neck and does his mouth twitch thing again. And now we're at the part where he's getting ready to go out, knock on the door, nobody's there. He doesn't seem too disturbed by it, but he's a little like, that's weird, I heard knocking, and no one's there. (laughs) I'm enjoying it, but it is very weird. Yes, I agree. very weird. Would you like another Nick Cage fact? Sure. Alright. He was the victim of a massive comic book heist. In 1997, comic book fan Cage purchased a copy of Action Comics No. 1, the highly sought-after 1939 issue that introduced Superman and ushered in the 20th century superhero genre. That comic book, along with several other rare titles, were stolen from Cage's home in January 2000, in a case that went cold for 11 years before the book showed up in a San Fernando Valley storage locker. The locker's owner said he purchased the unit without knowing what was inside. After a police investigation, the comic was returned to Cage, who sold it for a then record 2.1 million later that same year. Cage called the retrieval of the comic book after a decade Divine Providence. Or, as he would probably say, Oh, I found it to be Divine Providence. That's a horrible Nick Cage impression, but I we're going to leave it there. <laughs> All right, we're going to get back to the movie, this weird, weird fucking movie. Yeah. And yeah, we'll be back.
0: Music to the ears of the hungry, the sizzle of a mouth-watering hamburger, fresh lean beef done to a golden brown, couched in a soft bun, and garnished to taste. Man, that's hunger heaven. And you'll feel like you're heaven-sent when you get one at our refreshment stand.
1: Okay, this movie is really fucking weird. (laughs) So, we've watched some more.
2: His personality just keeps going back and forth.
1: It's definitely indicative of someone going through something. So I can see what you were talking about before we started the movie where the screenwriter said he wrote it after like a horrible breakup in a bad relationship. It definitely has that vibe, so I'm catching that. And I'm also picking up on those Patrick Bateman vibes. For sure. <laughs> so he's blown off Jackie once again because Rachel showed up and seduced him back to his apartment and was biting his neck again.
2: I thought it was because he had a freaking board meeting or whatever (laughs) with the guys that thought it was hilarious that he ran after her.
1: No, no, no. That That was after this. Oh. So they're back doing their thing again. She's biting him on the neck in a scene that mimics the first time they were together, so it's very odd if it's happening again or if he's just that out of it, that this is all in his head. And then the next day is where this happens. He goes in and he starts just yelling for Alva over and over again, increasingly getting louder. And I had a thought in my head as he was doing that of the chipmunks, where Dave would always yell for Alvin. Yeah. (laughs) He runs out, jumps on a small partition, points at her, goes, there you are, then chases her into the bathroom like a fucking maniac. And the most nonchalant woman is like, ah, what are you doing in here? And he just walks away and goes, what the fuck is going on? And just leaves. Leaves him to confront Alva. She goes, hey, I got a gun. I'll use it if you touch me. And he he completely changes his personality. He goes, huh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And leaves. Like, looking like a completely different person. (laughs) It's fucking insane. He goes... And has a meeting with several other executives, and they're laughing about him chasing her into the bathroom. But I did notice one thing. If you notice, he just kind of subtly reaches over and partially closes the blinds on his side. Yeah, I did notice that. Like, okay, I like that little touch. But they're like, oh, she wanted a raise after you chased her. Oh, she thinks she deserves it. <laughs> Basically, think of any conversation rich 80s white guys would have in any movie, and that's this conversation. He destroys his apartment after he gets a note from Jackie saying, Stay out of my life. And, (sighs) oh my god, it's insane. He's telling Alva she needs to stay late to go through that file to find the contract they want. Goes into a whole crazy rant about how it's a horrible job and she has to do it, and he would never put anyone else on it because it's a horrible job and he wants her to do it. And now he's back in his apartment and it looks like Rachel has shown up again. It's it's very hard to kind of synopsize this movie because it is kind of all over the place at times. But the way I'm seeing it is it's sort of we're just witnessing this guy's mental breakdown. Almost yeah. like and it's almost like he's read too many of the books that this agency he works for has published. So he's created this narrative in his head as to what's happening to him as opposed to he just needs to continue therapy and maybe get other help as well.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure, but that, That's what I'm taking away so far, but I'm interested to see where the hell it goes.
2: Same here. I mean, I'm waiting for... I don't know. I, I feel like there's more to it, but we haven't gotten there yet.
1: Yeah, I feel like we're getting a slow descent into his madness. Yeah. It's his personality, you can see where he starts to spiral downward, and then it's almost like he catches himself and tries to correct course. But then something throws him even further down, and he keeps trying to course-correct, like, I need to keep it somewhat normal. Which, normal said bye-bye to this guy a long time ago, even at the beginning of the film. Yeah. So before we get back... Do you have another fact? Would you like another Nicolas Cage fact? Absolutely. He bought a pyramid tomb. A what? A pyramid tomb. Oh, why? Why? Standing in St. Louis Cemetery No. 1 in New Orleans is a nine-foot pyramid tube that carries a Latin maxim, Omni Ab Uno, everything from one. The grave underneath is currently unoccupied, but some have speculated that it may eventually house Cage, who purchased Twin Plots in 2010 and built the pyramid over them. The actor has never publicly commented on the sale. So we have no idea why he did it. Huh? It's probably just one of those things where he's like... I want a real unique tombstone. I'm going to buy a pyramid and put it over my grave. It's like, okay. Yeah, well, I get the feeling. Isn't he one of those spiritual type actors, too? I think so. He has a very unique outlook on life.
2: Yeah, like maybe he did too many drugs.
1: <laughs> oh, sort of like how he said in this movie he took mescaline and it made him freak out.
2: Yeah. Oh, my
1: God. This this is a wacky movie. I'm glad we chose it. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> we're going to get back to it and see if we start to see any indications of him, I guess, starting to believe he's a vampire. Because he's already being led away, sort of like if he's already under her trance. Kind of like how Renfield was Dracula's assistant and would be under that spell. But, uh, yeah. It's fucking weird, man. We'll be back.
0: Your attention, please. All new Hot Shot electric in-car heaters have been installed for your comfort and convenience. Just insert heater through car window and turn on the switch. When leaving, please turn switch off and replace on speaker post. Warning, high voltage. For your own safety, do not attempt to repair or remove wires. Do not attempt to open heater unit. If you need assistance, please notify the theater box office or concession manager.
1: Another 15 minutes in and more questions left unanswered. (laughs) Yeah. We see another night he has with Rachel. And she's like, Tell me you love me, just begging him to tell her that he loves her, and he does. And I was thinking, as I was watching that scene, that very much feels like that was the screenwriter, like he was holding on to some relationship and he just couldn't let it go. Yeah. I feel like that this character hurt this Rachel, the vampire is a representation of whatever he's holding on to that's driving him deeper into his fucking insanity spiral. Yeah. He goes into work the next day. Alva has called in sick. And he does the the most creepiest fucking thing you can do. Gets her address and goes to her home. Yeah. Pleads with her to come back. Oh, I'm sorry. You know what? The pressure. I don't even care if we get the contract. If we lose that guy, fuck him. Whatever. It's no big deal. Only for him. <clears throat> only for him to do a quick one eighty once they're in the cab. Yeah, he convinces her to come into work anyway. Pay says, "I'll pay for the cab ride. No big deal." And then once they're in there, he's immediately right back. We're gonna find that file. She's like, "Well, I thought you said it didn't really matter." He's like, "Well, yeah. We still have to do our job." <laughs> it's. Uh, this guy is fucking insane, man.
2: Yeah, so something about about this last part made us laugh.
1: Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Alva ends up asking to stop by a gas station where her brother works, and she gets blanks for her gun because she has no ammo for it, because she's scared shitless by fucking Peter Lowe, because, yeah, he's a certified crazy person. He's insane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They get back to the office... Whatever they're doing, their thing. <laughs> he goes into the bathroom, looks to like wash his face or something. I'm not even sure what he did. He looks up in the mirror and he goes, "Where am I? Where am I? Oh, I've become one." But with There's all the mirrors
2: in the bathroom,
1: we can see that he is clearly there. <laughs> he's clearly there, and then all of a sudden you hear. He goes, "Where am I?" He's so gonna "Go, you're in the crapper, low." <laughs> so why don't you be quiet and take goddamn acting lessons somewhere else, or go back to the ladies' room? <laughs>
2: what the
1: hell? And they just pan by the bottom of the stalls, and you just see this guy with his pants completely down in there taking a dump. Yeah. Oh my god! This movie is—he's definitely uh, just crazy. Crazy, yeah. It feels like. Almost like somebody is grasping onto something to explain why they're having this mental breakdown. So, in his case, it's, oh, I'm turning into a vampire. That would explain why I'm wearing sunglasses all the time and I'm having these mood swings and I'm crazy. I it must be that I'm a vampire. Okay. Basically. That's what crazy people think. Yeah. It's, I really want to know where it's going. Because we've got 43 minutes left and I want to see. Because it's... It seems like it's starting to amp up just a bit, like we're going to get to the crescendo of Nut City, population, Peter Lowe. Mm-hmm. Before we go back, would you like a piece of trivia about the movie or another Nick Cage fact? Um, the movie, I guess. All right. I'm going to go through my notes here and find something. The song Peter Lowe hums to himself while making his morning coffee is Igor Stravinsky's Petrushka, Don's Russe." That's oh. it. It's just one thing. I thought there was more and I didn't space them out. I'm like, oh, is there more? No. And Fascinating. So we'll do two. Apparently he ate a real cockroach. Yeah. For the movie. Yeah. He consulted a doctor to ask, hey, would it be safe if I ate this cockroach while we're doing this movie? and the doctor basically said, "Yeah, but I suggest like chasing it with some really strong whiskey." So apparently he ate the cockroach and then rinsed his mouth out with high proof vodka. Gross. Like that's disgusting. But I admire your commitment to the scene, sir. Yeah. You fucking crazy person. <laughs> All right, we're we're going to continue on this downward spiral and see where we end up and we'll be back for you guys.
0: In just a moment. All aboard! The snack bar special for Coca-Cola, peanuts, hot dogs, ice cream, candy. That's the snack bar special for Coca-Cola, peanuts. Hot dogs.
1: Another fifteen minutes down, and we are deeper into the psychotic break of Peter Lowe. He's definitely batshit crazy. (laughs) Oh, yes. So, (laughs) after his encounter with the pooping man in the bathroom, he runs back to his office, immediately closes the blinds, and starts to just have a, a breakdown in his office. We see Alva's there late. She finally finds the contract they've been looking for. But in the meantime, we see that Rachel has appeared in Peter's office once again, nibbling on his neck. Alva's knocking on the door trying to tell him, hey, I've got the contract. And then he sees the cab driver from when he brought Alva back to work earlier in the day, talking about his wife. So he's definitely hallucinating shit. Yeah. He is seeing things for sure. He opens the door. She says, hey, I found it. And he just starts going, it's too late. It's too late. And proceeds to chase her again. He confronts her at the end of a hallway after they go down the stairs. She pulls out her gun and says, I'll kill you. Don't rape me. He goes, well, then shoot me. Shoot me. She fires. He goes, not the floor, me. And he says, help me. Help me. And that's the one where I think he's really going, if you kill me, I'll be out of this. I'll be out of my misery. But she obviously can't. She's firing blanks. And that's when she says the line, please don't rape me. He goes, rape you? I will. And he rips her dress, proceeds to take her down to the floor where she passes out, I'm assuming from being so overwhelmed with everything. And then he hallucinates that Rachel is there. She tells him, you're with me now, and just laughs. He picks up the gun, and I'm not sure how this effect went off without hurting him, but he puts the barrel of the revolver into his mouth and proceeds to fire it twice. I don't know how you pull that off without getting injured, but holy shit. I mean, yes, it was blanks. Yes, obviously they took precautions, but... I would not do that effect if I was an actor. I'd be like, fuck you, I'm not doing that. He doesn't die. Rachel is now gone It is Alva again. He's now assuming he's immortal. Yeah. He taps her and goes, hey, hey, I'm a vampire. Goes home, starts ripping everything out of his closet. He is now covered most of his windows. I mean, it's haphazard. There's slots where the light's coming through. It's... (laughs) He's turned his couch over and laid it over on top of him as a coffin. He sees Rachel again, who tells him, You're a vampire, you know what you have to do. <laughs> he ends up going to a place to try and buy vampire teeth because he notices he doesn't have fangs and he's trying to figure out why. Sees a really really good looking pair for nineteen ninety five. Doesn't have the cash for it buys a $3.50 pair of plastic vampire fangs, like the kinds you would get every Halloween when you were a kid, when you want to run around going, I'm a vampire. But that was pre- <laughs> that was preceded by him running down the street, yelling, I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! With his... I don't know what this inflection in his speech pattern is. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know, but it, it works, because this character is nuts. He frantically goes into a park, puts in the teeth, proceeds to crawl on his hands and knees, and then chase and catch a pigeon, <laughs> takes it back to his apartment, and apparently eats the pigeon. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't even know where we left off right now, because all of that has, like, killed my brain. Yeah. I know that Alva is not going to work, her family's trying to figure out what's wrong with her, well, I think her brother figured it out. Yeah. I think he's got an idea Yeah. of what's going on because he saw Peter in the car when she went there frantically asking for ammunition in case she needed to shoot a motherfucker. And now she's locking herself in her bedroom. Which, that scene got really dark for a moment when he went to attack her. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, definitely. And then they kind of turned it to be like, okay, it's not as dark as you think because he's not going to follow through with anything. It's like, yeah, still, that was... This, this movie <laughs> is insane. Apparently they had to drug that pigeon so Nicolas Cage could catch it. it makes sense. And he had no idea it was drugged. He figured he just caught a pigeon. This... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this movie is nuts. I heard people say it was insane. I thought, oh, it can't be that crazy. It definitely is. It, it definitely, definitely is. It absolutely is. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I was looking at my notes and the screen locked on us for a second. Again, listen to our dog <laughs> barking. Yeah, she's barking at something. Oy, 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 oy. Well I did notice something as he's Oh, that's what he did. He called his therapist to try to get a sooner appointment. Because he's having a freak out. That scene kinda of reminded me of American Psycho when he's trying to call his attorney. At the end, towards the end of the movie and he's like I did some things, I need some help it was. It reminded me of that like desperately reaching out for, to somebody but if you've noticed the more and more he's progressed into his weird I think I'm a vampire phase he's more, his neck and his head are more hunched over and he's walking a certain way he's mimicking the actions from the character in Nosferatu ah. from that old silent film it's very much that the arms kind of in front and he's kind of lurched forward a bit Yeah. This fucking movie. Tell you. Am I glad we picked it, though? Hell yes. All right. So we've got just under 30 minutes. Do you want to power through and then we'll wrap it up? Sure. All right. We'll be back with the wrap up very shortly.
0: Yum, yum. It's a meal in itself. Our all meat super dog. Enjoy one now. Show starts in six minutes.
1: All right. We have finished up Vampire's Kiss. And let's just get right to that entire ending sequence here. Peter ends up going to a club with his vampire teeth in, because he set his alarm to wake up at night because he's a vampire now, punches the guy at the door to get in the club, and then proceeds to walk through the club mimicking Max Shrek's performance as Count Orlock in Nosferatu to a T. And then flirts with a woman in this, like, back room. I don't know, would you say it was like a private room in the club? Yeah, that's what it looked like. And she's the only one there. He's flirting with her. They're laughing. He goes to put his hand down her dress. She gets mad, and he proceeds to bite her in the neck. With and his plastic teeth. With his plastic teeth. But when he pulls up, if you notice, the teeth weren't in his mouth. Mm. And the bite marks on her neck were very much like human bite marks. <laughs> And he killed her, proceeds to go back out into the main room of the club, starts dry heaving, which he's been doing periodically through this film after his first encounter with Rachel. And we see Rachel again in the club, telling him how pathetic he is, and it's terrible. She's just talking down to him the whole time, berating him, basically. He's going, but you're with me. Why are you breaking up with me? You're with me. She goes, no, I'm with Donald. And some random dude named Donald shows up. They walk out onto the dance floor where everybody's at. (laughs) He then crazily makes his way out there himself and sees her, and she's acting like she doesn't know him. Now, this is where I think he may have caught a glimpse of her early on when he went in. Hallucinated his whole encounter with her. As he goes up and confronts her and, (laughs) Why are you breaking up with me? And then yelling, She's a vampire. Look at her teeth. As he's being dragged out of the club. Tells a group of people out front, I'm a vampire, and they just start laughing. And he grabs some guy who looks like Billy Idol in a leather trench coat, asking if he has a gun. I'll show you. Do you have a gun? They chase him off, (laughs) laughing at him, telling him, you better get home, buddy. The sun's coming up. We see Alva then goes to her brother and finally tells him what happened. We don't see her tell him, but she goes in there, she's crying, they're hugging, goes, just tell me what happened. They find his address and proceed to go wait outside his apartment for him to come home. Meanwhile, he is (sighs) walking down the street. (sighs) The sun is up and he's freaking out, saying, this is the end, saying all this crazy shit. Pulls a board off of an old pallet on the side of the street. (laughs) tells the couple walking by, I'm a vampire, kill me. Now, the funny thing about that scene is those two people were not actors. They were real people and had no idea a movie was being filmed.
2: That's fantastic.
1: So their reaction to look back, like, what the fuck is wrong with this white person, is genuine and real. And I love that. He keeps making his way down the street, saying all this weird shit, moaning. He goes by a church. Saying he's a vampire, asking them to take out their rosary beads and hold up the cross to him. He then just walks into the corner of a building, head first. Well, it's apparently his (laughs) therapist. (laughs) Apparently, because we get these back and forth, we get this back and forth in this scene of him telling his therapist he doesn't need her anymore, that he just needs to find love. And once he finds love, he'll be happy. And he told her, don't laugh when I tell you. He says, oh, if I find love, I'll be happy. She starts laughing. She goes, I have a patient that comes in right after you. And it will be perfect together. You would have saved money and blah, blah, blah. Her name's Sharon. It'll be great. (laughs) That whole scene, you cut back to him. He is just crazily talking to this wall. People walking by looking at him like, what's wrong with this guy? The whole scene with the doctor setting him up with her other patient. She brings her in. She's like, here she is. You'll be great. And he proceeds to tell her, oh, well, you know, I did rape someone the other night. And she goes, oh, <laughs> it was just releasing of your id. Don't worry about it. Brushes it off like it's nothing. Like, oh, don't worry about rape. And he goes, well, there is something else. I, I did murder someone last night. And she goes, people get murdered all the time. What does it matter? You're fine. The, you're not even under arrest yet. The, I'll take care of the cops. You two just go on your big romance. And this is, <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this because it showed how good he can be, even if he's acting crazy. He's having a full-on conversation with no one walking down the street. Oh, my place is right down the way from here. We can go there. You want to go? And then tells her he grew up in Philadelphia, this and that. As soon as they get to the door of his apartment, turns on a dime and starts yelling at her. (laughs) Because he goes, oh, I was a vampire last week. He goes off, goes up to his apartment, is yelling at her. Meanwhile, Alva tells her brother Emilio, there he is. He gets out of the car as they're waiting, carrying a tire iron, and goes to confront him. Peter's in his apartment, just yelling at her, calling her a filthy pig, <laughs> just losing his shit. Decides he's just gonna crawl under his couch and go to sleep. While that's happening, Emilio has figured out he's just gonna bust out the window to the main door of the building. He makes his way to Peter's apartment, lifts the couch up, tells him to get up, and Peter just grabs these. this piece of wooden that holds it to his chest like he's almost like he's trying to push it in but he can't find the will to do it and all his brother just pushes down pushes through his chest and that's that's it this is the death of peter Lowe. yep the last thing we see is rachel coming on screen saying dream of me my angel dream of me and that's where we end we end on a shot of panning out of the skyline of new york city and yeah <laughs> so that was vampire's kiss what did you think overall, Lan? I really, really enjoyed it. Same. It is batshit nuts. But I didn't once sit there and go, okay, what? Well, I didn't feel like it dragged. I was really intrigued the entire time I wanted to see where it was going to go.
2: I feel like the first half was slower, but once you hit the middle, it kind of just goes from there.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that was intentional to like set you up like, oh, it's kind of this moderate thing that he's dealing with. You can kind of see some breaks, and then it's like, nope, he's full-on nuts now, here we go. And it just, once it gets there, it just kind of picks up and ramps to the end. And it really just kind of ends on, he's dead now. It's a resolution, but it's very to the point. Well, that, I think it's funny that it almost felt like a Twilight Zone episode. Like this
2: guy, through a series of events, is convinced... He has become a vampire, and even mm. though he hasn't, that's the way he dies. He
1: dies a vampire's death. I never... Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. That is very interesting. I Now I have a whole new appreciation for this, because it very much is like that.
2: Yeah, I got I got Twilight Zone vibes from it, like, the whole time.
1: Because <laughs> that's very much, because there are some of those episodes where somebody would do something convinced they're this, and in the end, their fate would be if they were that thing. Or that type of person, huh? Now, one thing we didn't touch on, and I realized it watching, was we didn't discuss the scene where he's talking to his therapist, and he's talking about the missing file and how how is it so hard to put it in the right file? And she says, "Well, it could have been misfiled." And he goes, "Well, who who would have misfiled it?" She goes, "I don't know." And then he goes into the whole alphabet thing. You file it alphabetically, and he rants off the alphabet. That scene, because he he's calm, and then goes immediately to Ballistic Insane, you know, that 0 to 100 again. It kind of, and I hate to do this, but it's a, it's actually a very apt movie to compare it to Is American Psycho. It reminded me of the scene where Patrick Bateman has Paul Allen in his apartment and is playing Huey Lewis in the news, and starts off calm, talking about the music, and then just hits him with the X, goes, Try to get him a reservation, Dorsey, and now, you fuck! That's what it reminded me of, because you start slow, you're calm, and then you just peg out on your speedometer at 100 and you're just going to go. Yeah. (laughs) So if Christian Bale did in fact base his performance of Patrick Bateman on aspects of the Peter Lowe character from this film, it makes total fucking sense to me. It really does. Now, most important question is, would you recommend this to anyone?
2: Yes. 100%.
1: Same. I I give it... Five out of five stars. Nice. I'm I'm on the four and a half out of five, but still very high.
2: Yeah.
1: And the only reason I say that is <laughs> just because the ending was so like, here it is. I thought there was going to be a little bit more, but I just went, eh. I was like, oh, well, okay then. I mean, it ended where I thought it would, but I didn't think we were going to get the credits like right after. They show him just laying there bleeding out, dead, with <laughs> a wooden stake in his heart. Yeah. His... His performance shows here that, and I've always thought of Nick Cage as a good actor. He's proven that he can do like the heavy dramatic roles. He he's got a fucking Oscar for Christ's sake! So he's proven that he's a good actor. But it's roles like this that show later in his career when he's taking those crazy roles that he can do it. Absolutely, he <laughs> like, "Oh, you need me to play crazy? Here, just watch this movie, and it'll prove to you that I that I can do it." I don't need the screen test or audition. Just watch Vampire's Kiss and get back to me tomorrow. Yeah, I, I recommend this. If you're not a fan of Nick Cage, then don't watch it. That's what I'll say. If you're, if you're like, lukewarm on him, you don't really enjoy him, I, I don't recommend it to you. Because you're probably going to sit there and try to pick it apart. Find something wrong with it. Think his performance is over the top. That's the point. It's supposed to be over the top, and I love it. So... I think our first installment of Nick Cage November went off pretty well. What do you think?
2: Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) I want to give one more Nick Cage fact here to close out. Okay. He slept in Dracula's castle. While promoting Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance in 2011, actor Idris Elba recalled an an incident on location in Romania that exemplifies Cage's professional commitment. Noticing Cage appear tired one day, Elba asked if he had gotten any rest. Yeah, man, I went up to Dracula's castle, the ruins up in the mountains, and I stayed the night, Cage said. I just had to channel the energy and it was pretty spooky up there. Cage was probably referring to Bran Castle near Transylvania, which may have been the inspiration for Dracula's residence in the original Bram Stoker novel. Nice. (laughs) A bit eccentric. A little weird. Oh, that was... That was something too. One of the secretaries, as he's walking by in one of his weird fits through the office, he's like snapping his fingers, picking stuff up on people's desks, picks up a rubber duck off one woman's that drops it in the trash, and all that secretary did was look at Alvin and go, "He's so eccentric." Yeah. Bitch, he's crazy. Do you notice that? (laughs) I guess we have more of an insight since we're watching everything unfold, and they're just seeing this version of him in the office every day. Yeah. Oh man. So next up For Nick Cage November Is another movie neither one of us have seen And I want to tease it now So everybody knows what we're getting into Raising Arizona Excitement! I've never seen it I've heard it's great I know people are going to yell at me for not having seen it But I can't watch everything right away <laughs> <laughs> Right away? How much time do you need? <laughs> when did it come out? <laughs> oh this came out in like early to mid 80s Maybe I think, at later I think years. you've had enough time. <laughs> yeah, some people have this hang-up. They're like, oh, you haven't seen it? It's been out since, like, 87. It's like, dude, there's a lot of movies to watch. Can't watch everything right away, you know? Anyway, you can find us on social media. You can go to Facebook and search Skewered Universe Podcast. You can go to Twitter and find us there, Skewered underscore Universe, I think, or Skewered underscore Universe. It's one of those. You'll, you'll find it. I'll put the links also at the end of the show. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher. Podbean. we there. Podbean. If you go through there, I know Leanne uses Podbean. I do. She highly recommends it from what I've heard. Yeah. And we figured out how to sort your podcast correctly so they wouldn't <laughs> play out of order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Sorry to throw you under the bus like that, but I did that too with iTunes for a long time. I'm like, why are these playing out of order? And then I figured out you had to sort them. Yeah. I'm sorry. Apple Podcasts. Not iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts. Let me correct that. And you can go on over to our Patreon. Search for Skewered Universe Podcast at Patreon, where you can support the show. There are three episodes of Transmissions up there. You can look at the tiers, find out which one you want to be at. The higher level, you will get commentaries, and you can suggest stuff that, we'll, that we can watch. I can't guarantee when we'll get to it, but we will get to it. And yeah, that's going to do it. Anything to say before we end the show, man? Suck a dick. All right, and keep enjoying that universe that's just a bit
0: skewered check out skewered universe podcast at the following links skeweredhead.com, head.com facebook.com slash groups slash skewered universe podcast skewered universe.podbean.com twitter at skewered instagram skewered underscore universe email the show at skewered podcast at gmail.com patreon patreon.com slash skewered universe podcast join our patreon go to patreon.com slash skewered universe podcast to get access to exclusive bonus content such as skewered universe transmissions and audio commentary tracks.